0: Welcome to Leading Lights. You're about to hear a message from Lighthouse Church. Hello again. We're looking at the seven churches in Revelation, churches that Jesus loves. He speaks so tenderly to them, but he also has a rebuke. And there's one church that we are about to look at, the church in Sardis, which is not in a good situation. Have you ever seen photos after a war and a bombing of a city? World War II was very um, appropriate for this. There were so many cities that were bombed. In England, Coventry, Hull, and uh, London. In Germany, there was Dresden and various others in Japan obviously Hiroshima and Nagasaki and the city has been bombed but there are little areas of the city where the bombing did not occur they they left those areas because they weren't very high value targets from a war point of view so in Hull and Coventry they targeted the factories and the areas which were making weapons uh, as well as places where there were a lot of people that they would kill But the areas that were left out and the cities that weren't bombed were not of a threat to the enemy. And in the seven churches of Revelation, we see the devil attacking every single church except this one, Sardis. And the reason is because it had a name or a reputation of being a Christian church, but it was actually no threat to the devil. And I wonder if you and I have a lesson to learn from this today. I think you're going to find this quite interesting. To the angel of the church in Sardis write, These things says he who has the seven spirits of God and the seven stars. So every letter Jesus starts off describing himself with an aspect of his character that is fully described in Revelation 1. And this aspect he says seven stars and the seven spirits of God. We'll look at that hopefully if we have time in a bit. Jesus says, I know your works. He knows what's going on. There's nothing we can hide from Jesus. I know your works, that you have a name or a reputation that you are alive, but you are dead. You call yourselves a Christian church, but there is no spiritual Christian life in there. Be watchful or or wake up. Wake up and, and be aware. Think about this. Be watchful and strengthen the things which remain that are ready to die for I have not found your works perfect before God. So there was some semblance of life. There were glowing embers. It wasn't completely dead, but it was virtually dead. Remember therefore, how you have received and heard, hold fast and repent. And those are the three things that he tells them to do. In the first church in Ephesus, in Revelation 2, there were uh, three things as well. Remember, repent, and redo. Here it's remember, repent, and hold fast. So very similar. Therefore, if you will not watch, if you will not pay attention, I will come upon you as a thief, and you will not know what hour I will come upon you. You have a few names, even inside us who have not defiled their garments, and they shall walk with me in white, for they are worthy. So there were a few who were still believers. He who overcomes shall be clothed in white garments, and I will not blot out his name from the book of life, but I will confess his name before my Father and before his angels. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. So Jesus has a very strong word of rebuke for this church. He says, you call yourself Christian. People think you're Christian. You may think you're Christian, but there's a problem. You're not Christian. Now, how is this possible? How is it possible for a person to be so self-deluded that they think they are going to heaven when they're not? How is it possible for a church to call themselves Christian and to put themselves forward as being a place representing God And God says, they don't represent me. There is nothing of me in there other than a few little remnants here and there. How is that possible? And is it relevant for us today? There is a lot in this letter, but I want to just pick out a few very key points and important points because I think they are relevant today. Friend, I believe that this problem that they had inside us is rife in the world today. There are people who think they are Christians. You know, in a census, when a country takes a record of all its population, they ask people what religion they are. And the number of people saying they are Christian is very high in many countries. And yet, if we look at a biblical picture of what a Christian really is, they are not Christians. Is it possible? Is it possible, my dear friend, that you, call yourself a Christian, you have a name as if you are spiritually alive, but actually you're not. Is it possible? Could it be possible that Jesus would say to someone who thought they were going to heaven, no, you're not. Can I just say that because of a a works-based wrong teaching, we as Christians often say to people, You're not saved by works because the Bible makes it clear we cannot be saved by our good works. We have to believe in Jesus. But the side effect or or the the spin-off problem with that is that there are people who have heard that and they think they're Christians, but they are not actually Christians yet. There are some stern warnings throughout the Bible. The the strongest one that I can think of is in Matthew chapter 7, where Jesus says, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only those who do the will of my Father. And so there there is going to be people. He says people will come and say, Lord, look, all these things happen in our lives. And and Jesus will say, I never knew you. Uh, It is possible that people may think they're Christians when they're not. And... It is very possible for churches to say we represent God, but a person going there would very seldom find God. And it may be be almost impossible for them to find God there. So what I want to do is to try and make it plain today, to try and help us understand how do we know that we are Christians? And then I'll, I'll also go through the rest of this letter. So there's an amazing little verse in 2 Corinthians 13 verse 5, Paul says, examine yourselves as to whether you are in the faith. Test yourselves. Do you know, not know yourselves that Jesus Christ is in you unless indeed you are disqualified or unless you fail the test? Other versions say. Let me read that again. Examine yourselves. So we're supposed to look at ourselves as to whether you are in the faith. He was writing this to Christians. We're supposed to look at ourselves and see, am I really in the faith? And he makes it clear from this verse that there is a way of knowing. He says, test yourselves. Do you not know yourselves that Jesus Christ is in you unless you fail the test, unless you are disqualified? So what is the test? Well, there are several in the Bible. It it actually is a topic that comes up repeatedly in the Bible. But what I want to do today is try to summarize it for us so that we can say, uh, we can apply the test to ourselves and we can say, how am I doing? Because he says, examine yourselves. We're not supposed to judge other people. We don't know what's really going on in their lives. There's an element by which we can judge them as a way to help them. So Uh, Paul says in 1 Corinthians 5 and 6 that we're not supposed to be judging those outside the church, but those inside the church we judge, but not as if to be better than them, but to help them and to try and restore them. But it's, it's a very minimal judgment. We can only go on what we see on the outside, but what's inside only we can tell and God can tell. And so he says, examine yourself. This is a personal inventory. It's not for us to hold up the list and say, how is brother so-and-so doing? How is sister so-and-so doing? No, no. This is for ourselves. Examine yourselves. So I'm going to go through six or seven tests. The first ones, the first three are internal tests that only you can answer. Do you love Jesus? Do you love Jesus? It's a simple question. You know if you love him or not. In John 8:42, Jesus said, if God were your father, you would love me. How simple is that? If God were your father, you would love me. Do you love Jesus? Second test, is he your Lord? (laughs) What is Lord? Lord means boss. When he says things, do you do them or do you debate? Or do you say, I'll pick the things that God tells me to do if I like them? Is he your Lord? In Matthew 7, 21, Jesus said, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven, but he who does the will of my father in heaven. Is he your boss? Is he your ultimate authority and your rule for what is right and wrong? Only you can answer. Number three, do you trust him and his finished work alone for your salvation? What do we mean by this? What I mean is, do you trust in Jesus' death on the cross as paying for your sins as your way to get to heaven? You say to me, well, how do I know that? Well, if you were to die right now and you were to walk up to the gates of heaven and the person standing at the gate said why should i let you in what would you say you might say well i was christened as a baby or i live in a christian country or i have done a lot of good things more good things than bad things if you weighed up the scales you might have all these different reasons but there is only one way we can get into heaven and that is by trusting that jesus death on the cross was enough for me to get saved wow These are interesting ones. So that's number three. Let me give you some verses for the third one. Do you trust in Jesus alone? Galatians 2 verse 16 says, We know that a man is not justified by the works of the law, but by faith in Jesus Christ. That means a man is not made righteous or allowed into heaven by doing good things, but by faith in Jesus. Even we have believed in Christ Jesus that we might be justified by faith in Christ and not by the works of the law. For by the works of the law, no flesh shall be justified. So if I get there and I say, I've been good, I've been better than so-and-so and better than so-and-so, better than Hitler, then I, should, I think I should be allowed in because of my good works or because of my religious affiliation or, or attending church. He says, no one will be justified by that. It's only by faith in Christ empty handed to the cross, I come. I've got to come and rely on Christ alone. Verse 21 of that same chapter says, I do not set aside the grace of God for if righteousness comes through the law, then Christ died in vain. So the the first question is, do you love Jesus? Second question is, is he your Lord? When he tells you to do something, do you do it? And the third question is, you trust in him alone for your finished work so those are internal questions and i want to just give you a moment to think about that before i move on is jesus my lord because these are the questions that will decide whether or not i am really a christian it doesn't matter if you call yourself a christian it doesn't matter if your name is on a list in a church it doesn't matter if you live in a christian family or country it doesn't matter All the external things, having a name of being a Christian is not what counts. It's whether there is genuine life. And these three, do you love Jesus? Is he your Lord? And do you trust him alone for your salvation are the most important. But then there are some external tests. What do you do with your time? You know, If you know someone, you talk to them, you listen to their voice, you love them, you worship them. Do you talk to Jesus? Do you read his word? Do you love him? Do you worship him? Jesus said, my sheep hear my voice and I know them and they follow me. Do you spend time with Jesus? If you haven't prayed for several days, weeks, months, if you haven't read your Bible, if you haven't worshiped Jesus, if you haven't been to church, you know, 1 John 1 says that if we love the father, we'll love his children as well. We've, if we don't love the people of God, There's a big question mark. It it works itself out in the way that we live. So are you spending time with him? Next question. Do you love people or do you hate people? You say, what? Why is that a test? Well, listen to this verse. We know that we have passed from death to life because we love the brethren. He who does not love his brother abides in death. Whoever hates his brother is a murderer And you know that no murderer has eternal life abiding in him. He says very clearly, if you hate people, if you hate anyone, then there is a problem with your salvation. Later on in the same book of 1 John, he says, how can you say you love God whom you haven't seen if you hate your brother who you have seen? You're lying about your salvation. So if there is a lack of love for people, and even if there is hatred, then there is a doubt about your salvation. Because when God comes in, He sheds his love abroad in our hearts and it overflows to other people. Right. Now we're getting a little bit pointed. Just two more. Righteous living. 1 John 3 verse 6. No one who lives in him keeps on sinning. No one who continues to sin has either seen him or knows him. And this is talking about an ongoing practice of sin. Am I getting better in my lifestyle? Am I becoming more righteous, more like Jesus, more loving, more good, more patient, more kind, more generous, more holy? Is there an ongoing pattern of sin that is not changing, or am I getting better and better? It's it's a process. Can I see a, a trend within my life towards being more like Jesus? And he says here, if No one who lives in him keeps on sinning. No one who continues to sin or is is unchanged in their sin has either seen him or known him. So I've got to say to myself, am I changing? Am I changing? Look at your life over the last year, two years, three years. Is there a change? And then he gives a definitive list. In a couple of books in the Bible, he gives a definitive list of external sins that he says, you may be unsure of whether you love God, whether you worship Him, whether you're trusting Him fully, uh, whether you're increasing in righteousness. But there is a list of sins that if you are living in these, He says, you're not a Christian. And it's quite, a, quite a, an eye-opener. In 1 Corinthians 6, verse 9, He says, Or do you not know that wrongdoers will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived, neither the sexually immoral, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor men who have sex with men, nor thieves, nor the greedy, nor drunkards, nor slanderers, nor swindlers will inherit the kingdom of God. What he's saying is you don't get to heaven by being good, but once God has come into your life and made you new, these sins will be removed from your life over a period of time. And if you are still continuing in any of these greedy, drunkards, slanderers, or revilers, people who insult others, uh, swindlers. Um, In Revelation it says there are no liars allowed in the in the kingdom. So there are certain sins where he says these are clearly a list of sins that you can check against your life and if you are still living in adultery or sexual immorality, any of these things, if you're continuing in this lifestyle, he says it's obvious the fire of God is not inside of you. And then lastly, the witness of the Holy Spirit is the last test Romans 8 verse 15 says, For you did not receive the spirit of bondage again to fear, but you received the spirit of adoption by whom we cry out, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. Is there something within you? The Spirit of God crying out, Abba, Father. Is there a witness of God inside your spirit? So those are the the seven tests. I've summarized a lot of the Bible in a short space of time but let me go through them again. Do you love Jesus? Is he your boss? Do you trust him alone for salvation? Do you talk to him and relate to him? Do you love or hate people? Is righteous living becoming more and more a part of your life? And is there a witness of the Holy Spirit? And he says, if you examine yourselves and you pass this test, you know you are in the faith. So let's go through this letter once again. He says, these things says he who has the seven spirits of God and the seven stars. Why does he say that? Because it's the Spirit of God who gives life. Now there are several times in the book of Revelation where the Spirit of God is referred to as the seven spirits or the sevenfold. There are seven aspects of the Spirit of God. And in Isaiah 11 verse 2, he describes what those seven aspects are. He says, the Spirit of the Lord Uh, Let me just find it for you. He says, it's the spirit of the Lord, the spirit of wisdom, the spirit of understanding, the spirit of counsel or friendship, the spirit of might, the spirit of knowledge, and the spirit of the fear of the Lord. These are the aspects of the Holy Spirit. If you're seeing that in your life, the sevenfold spirits of God, it's a good sign you are a Christian. If you have the Lord's presence with you, his wisdom and understanding, if he's giving you insight into into his word the spirit of counsel or friendship and might if the spirit is working with you and giving you power the spirit of knowledge and the fear of the lord if the spirit is making you want to obey god and when we have the spirit we have life when we don't have the spirit we don't have life jesus told a parable in matthew 25 of 10 virgins waiting for the bridegroom to arrive five had oil in their lamps their lamps were full of burning oil Five had lamps. They seemed to be Christian, but there was no oil. There was no, none of the Holy Spirit in them. And so we need the Holy Spirit's power. And so when Jesus introduces himself to the church, he says, I have the sevenfold spirit of God and the seven stars in my hand. You need me. You need me in your life. These things says he. I know your works. You have a name that you are alive, but you are dead. Be watchful and strengthen the things which remain that are ready to die. For I have not found your works perfect before God. Jesus says, you're not saved by works, but your works show that you are saved. And look at your works and see how you're doing. Um, Remember, therefore, how you have received and heard. Hold fast and repent. It's the same as the previous Church of Ephesus. He says, remember how you first got saved. Remember that that feeling when you first received the forgiveness, the grace, the love of God. You had nothing to offer God. You had no good works. You were so reliant on his salvation. Get back to that point. Say, Lord, I need you again. Repent again, he says. Break your heart open and ask God to bring you back. Therefore, if you will not watch, I will come upon you as a thief and you will not know The hour I will come upon you. We don't know how long we've got, friend. Several of my good friends have passed away in the last few weeks. None of us knows. Life could be over in the blink of an eye. And we need to be ready for God. You have a few names even in Sardis who have not defiled their garments. And they shall walk with me in white, for they are worthy. You see, when we get saved, God gives us a a garment of salvation, a, a garment of righteousness, a white garment. We defile it when we sin, but that doesn't change his view of how he sees us. He says, I still see you clothed in Jesus, but our sin hardens our own heart and muddies our own thinking and our own emotions and makes us separate ourselves from God. And a point can come where we actually say, I don't need this white garment anymore. And that is a dangerous place. He says, he who overcomes shall be clothed. In white garments and I will not blot out his name from the book of life but I will confess his name before my father and before his angels we're given a white garment we are saved but we have to endure to get to heaven to get the final white garment now he says I will not blot out his name I don't have time to go into this in detail now but I want to just reassure you the Bible has many verses Many verses that say God will hold you. He will not let anyone snatch you out of his hand. He will finish the work that he's completed in you. Uh, It is extremely difficult for us to fall away from God. In 2 Timothy 2 verse 11 to 13, it says, if we died with him, we will live with him. If we endure, we will reign with him. If we deny him, he will deny us. But if we are faithless and weak, he remains faithful he cannot deny himself. It is very hard for us to get out of God's hand. But I must tell you, there are several verses, actually a lot of verses refer to it in the New Testament, which say it is possible to lose your salvation. And this is one of them. He says, I will not blot out his name, but we mustn't think it's easy for me to lose my salvation. God is holding me in his hand. In fact, he's written his name on my hand, on his hand, and in fact, I am part of his hand. He says, I'm part of his flesh and his bones. I am part of him. He's got me, but it is possible if I sin and I deaden my heart and, I, and I'm passive against God and, and just ignore him for long enough, my heart becomes hard and it is possible for me to deny him, to remove my white garment and to turn away from him. But I wanna just tell you that the sign of a person having done that is not that they are worried about having done that, it's the opposite. It's the fact that they don't want to repent anymore and they, they just have nothing in them that can repent to God anymore. You say, Greg, why, why are you saying that? Well, in Hebrews chapter six, it says this, for it is impossible for those who were once enlightened, who have tasted the heavenly gift and have become partakers of the Holy Spirit and have tasted the good word of God and the powers of the age to come, if they fall away, to renew them again to repentance, since they crucify again for themselves the Son of God and put him to an open shame. So what that passage is saying is that if I have been a genuine Christian, I've received all the blessings and benefits of Christianity, I can fall away, but the sign that I have fallen away is that it is impossible to renew them to repentance. The sign that I've fallen away is that I I don't want to repent anymore. I can't turn back to God anymore. And so if you're worried, have I done this? Have I gone too far? If you're saying, I still want to turn back to God, that is proof that you haven't removed your white garment, that you haven't fallen away. If you can repent right up to your very last breath, you are still okay. And I believe, and I'm sure of this, that many who are watching me today are in this position where we say, I can still repent. But my friend, I need you to hear the warning of the church of Sardis. Jesus says that it's possible that you may have a name for being a Christian, but you're very weak as a Christian or almost about to die or not yet a Christian. And Jesus says, wake up, watch, be earnest about this, repent. And if you can turn back to God, He says, I forgive you fully. I give you my spirit, my sevenfold spirit. I give you my grace, my love. I embrace you fully. I put a white garment on you and I give you the power to live for me. Jesus gives us this warning for a reason, my friend. Will you pray with me right now and say, Lord, I don't want to be in this position. Just say, Lord, I want to examine myself. I want to see how I'm doing. And God, in the areas of my life, where my salvation is not producing the fruit that it should, I want to repent. I'm sorry for my pride, Lord, for my apathy, for my lack of righteous living, for my lack of changing and becoming more like you. Lord, I'm sorry I haven't worked with you more. Please forgive me. Please wash me either for the first time or again and make me brand new. Lord, I want to repent. I want to turn back to you. And I thank you that you answer me with forgiveness And now Lord, I pray for your spirit, the spirit of wisdom, understanding, counsel, might, the spirit of the Lord, the spirit of the fear of the Lord to fill me right now and give me power to live. Friend, God answers that prayer. God bless you. Thanks for listening. Please visit leadinglightsnetwork.com for more resources and subscribe to our podcast on iTunes. Please consider supporting this ministry by making a donation on the giving page at leadinglightsnetwork.com or lighthousejersey.com